Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. This week, we will be airing our Good Friday and Easter messages, and we pray that you will be blessed as we have been in this special season. Here's Pastor Ryan. And while he was still speaking, verse 47, we begin. Behold, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now his betrayer had given them a sign, saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one. Seize him. Immediately he went up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. We look at that like it's the most... One of the most scandalous moves in history. Judas is just a picture of this fallen world. He is what's out there. This world needs Jesus so much. Jesus said to him, you know, you're going to betray the Son of Man with a kiss and the other gospel. But here he says, friend, why have you come? As almost to give Judas a way out. Friend, why have you come? That's the heart of our Lord. That's why he came and died for us. Because he has a love for the lost. Friend, why have you come? Will you decide to repent? Will you decide life? Friend, why have you come? Maybe he's asking that of some people tonight. Friend, why have you come? Are you going to change? Are you going to repent and put Christ first? Or still worship the self-life? The love of God is so above. Seems like I'm always grasping for it. You know, Lord, help me to love more as you love. I feel more like Peter here. You know what Peter does, right? I've always felt like him. Jesus is a friend of sinners. His enemies called him that. Because he ate and drank with publicans. Publicans and taxpayers. That they might get saved. But he is a friend of sinners or we wouldn't be here. We would not be here. In Second Peter 3, you know that wonderful verse that Peter dots down by the Holy Spirit. God is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's not willing that any should perish. Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And suddenly one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword. We know that's the big fisherman, Peter. And struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Peter was not playing. To take off an ear isn't just, he's not, he's not you know, playing patty cake. He's not fencing with them. He, he's, he's trying to hack somebody's ear off, or head off, actually. The guy just probably moved. He said, I'll, I won't, I'll, they all may forsake you, but not me. Check this out. And the Lord just turns around. Put your sword in its place. For all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you 
think that I cannot now pray to my Father, and he will provide me with more than twelve legions of angels? How then could the scriptures be fulfilled that it must happen thus? It's like Peter, this isn't a time for self-defense. This is God's plan that he would go to the cross. Don't hinder that. Peter, don't you know that I can just pray to my Father? And twelve legions of angels can come down? It's such a beautiful statement from the Son of God who created the universe. Spoke and it was made. He upholds all things by the word of his power. He is the power. He is God in the flesh. And he's in control. I can call down a whole legion of angels. In fact, the other Gospels, it's one of my favorite, points to the Arrest was when he asked all the troops, Romans and troops from the temple, together. He asked them, who are you here for? They said, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am he. And it says that they fell, they fell back into the ground. Just because he said, I am he. Like he, he, he allowed them to take him and arrest him. He is in control of all of this. Jesus said, I lay down my life for, for my sheep that I might take it back again. He's in control then and he's in control now. No need to worry. No need to be filled with anxiety and worry and doubt in these crazy times. He's on the throne. He's in control. In that hour, Jesus said to the multitudes, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to take me? I sat daily with you, teaching in the temple, and you did not seize me. But all this was done, that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. Peter's bravery could only go so far. They all fled. They all fled. There's a lesson to that, and we'll get to it in a bit when we get back to Peter. Verse 57, And those who had laid hold of Jesus led him away to Caiaphas the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. But Peter followed him at a distance to the high priest's courtyard, and he went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Now, the chief priests, the elders, and all the council sought false testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. Even though many false witnesses came forward, they found none. But at last, two false witnesses came forward and said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. And so Jesus is brought before the Sanhedrin, the religious leadership for the Jews, and, and this is a mixture of uh, Pharisees and Sadducees. This is the ruling party. And so Jesus is first brought before a religious trial. And when he is sent to, to Pilate, that will be his civil trial. And so here, we're not told, but he first originally goes to the high priest uh, Annas prior to this and before he goes to Caiaphas. And Annas was the was a high priest that the people really looked to as the, the, the real high priest, Caiaphas, his son-in-law, was appointed by the Romans. And so 
They would go to Annas's first. And we're told that he begins to get physically abused at Annas the high priest's location. So he begins to receive beatings. And then from there, they take him to Caiaphas. And as you can see, they're looking for evidence because there is no evidence. They're looking for it while they're having their trial. They want him dead, the religious rulers. And they want him dead because his message threatens their power. Their power over the people. They had a a stronghold on the temple and the hearts of the people. Yet Jesus pointed out their hypocrisy time and again that they didn't love the people. They used the people because they loved themselves. And so they want him dead. They've been planning on killing Jesus for a long time. And here's their chance. They called out their hypocrisy. And it says that the chief priests and the elders and all the council, they sought that false testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. Even though many false witnesses came forward, they found none. But at last, two false witnesses came forward and said, this fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. In John chapter 2 of his gospel is what the two false witnesses are referring to. Jesus had gone into the temple at the beginning of his ministry as well as at the end and he flipped over the tables. He kicked out the money changers. He made a cord of whips and whipped the animals out of there. My father's house is a house of prayer but you have turned it into a den of thieves. And then the religious leaders said, who are you to do this? Show us a sign. And Jesus responded to them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. And the Jews said to him, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. He was crucified. His body, his temple was destroyed. His tent was killed. But on the third day, he raised it up, didn't he? Amen. So that's what these guys are referring to. And the high priest arose and said to him, Do you answer nothing? What is it these men testify against you? But Jesus kept silent. And the high priest answered and said to him, I put you under oath by the living God. Imagine telling God that. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, it is as you said. He knows they're fools. And in his word it says, don't answer a fool according to their folly, lest you be like them. And then it says, answer a fool, lest he be wise in his own eyes. And here, just that, it's time to talk. Because the high priest referred to the living God. So Jesus feels compelled to answer him it is as you said nevertheless I say to you Caiaphas high priest hereafter you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven referring to a second coming Revelation 19 when we come back with the Lord 
And he's on his white horse and on his robe it says King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And out of his mouth the sword which is the word of God. In Revelation 19.11 it says now I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he who sat on him was called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and makes war. In other words he's telling Caiaphas the next time you see me it's because of your judgment. Woo! So this upsets Caiaphas to no other, right? He tore his clothes like the Incredible Hawk. Hulk, not Hawk. I've been up since four. How, how long have you been up? <laughs> Anger. And the high priest tore his clothes, saying, He has spoken blasphemy. What further need do we have of witnesses? Look, now you have heard his blasphemy. What do you think? And they said, they answered and said, he is deserving of death. If, if anyone arises amongst the people, according to the law, and claims to be a prophet when he is not, is deserving of death. Count him a false prophet. And so that's what Jesus said, letting them know that he's the Christ. They are deciding not to look at any evidence in his favor are falsely judging him. He is the Christ. He is the Son of God. Haven't you heard? He heals the blind. He heals the lepers. He heals the mute, the deaf. He casts out demons. He walks on water. He calms the storms. He feeds the 4,000 and then he feeds the 5,000. We can go on and on. There aren't enough libraries in the world to hold the books of the miracles that Jesus Christ has done. And we are miracles as well to be added to that. Then they spat in his face and beat him and others struck him with the palms of their hands saying, prophesy to us Christ, who is the one who struck you? And we're told in the other gospels that they blindfolded him and they're mocking him. They know that he healed the blind and they blindfold him and they're socking him unable to see the punches because of the blindfold kind of duck or tense up to absorb the blow just boom mocking him who did it you who healed the blind who did it can you see who did it mocking him because he loves us he took it he took it they struck him with the palms of their hands they spat in his face who struck you now Peter sat outside in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him saying you also were with Jesus of Galilee but he denied it before them all saying I do not know what you are saying and when he had gone out to the gateway another girl saw him and said to those who were there, This fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But again he denied it with an oath, I do not know the man. And a little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, Surely you are one of them, for your speech betrays you. You sound like a Galilean, man. You're from Galilee. Then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed, and Peter remembered the word Jesus, 
who had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So he went out and wept bitterly. And um, they all learned the lesson. They all scattered. Peter denied him three times, but they all scattered. Where are the rest of them, guys? They all scattered. And it's one of the greatest lessons in Christianity that they scattered. And that is that if you think, or I should say if we think, not you think, if we think, that we can stand as believers in Christ without the help of God, we're fooling ourselves. We cannot stand strong without a closeness to God. We cannot trust in our own ability. We cannot trust in our own holiness. We cannot trust in our own righteousness because there is none, guys. And unless the Lord gives us strength to walk right, we cannot walk right without him. And the lesson all the disciples are learning is that, my goodness, we thought we could stand. We thought we could stand, but apparently I need to do what he says and trust him. When the Lord says, you're all going to be made to stumble this night because of me, they should have said, can we just pray that we don't right now, Lord? Can we just pray right now and ask the Father to strengthen us? So, no, we'd never forsake you. And you know, there's a lot of self-trust going around lately. A lot of believers who are sadly trusting in their own understanding and in their own strength. If God said that we need to study this word, if God said that we need to put on the full armor of God so that we're able to stand against the wiles of the devil, if God said that we need to not forsake the assembling of one another, as is the matter of, of some, if God says we are to gather together and love one another as he has loved us, and we don't do that, and we think we're okay, have we not deceived ourselves to think that everyone else needs to come in person, but I can Zoom this thing and be okay? I'm sorry. Scripture doesn't support that. Ever. I can't survive this walk without you guys. I need you. The Bible says to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens. That if we see our brother or sister in need, physically take care of them, help them out. Who is my neighbor? Who was his neighbor? Was it the priest or the rabbi that walked around the Samaritan? No, the Lord said that his neighbor was the one who stopped and bandaged him up. Our Lord and Savior went amongst lepers and healed them. Have we forgotten who we serve? He's the great physician, my goodness. It is appointed once for all of us to die and then comes the judgment 
can't survive isolated. The devil, that's what he does. He isolates and picks people off. Bible says that he who isolates himself rages against all, all wisdom. Rages against wisdom. I don't want to lean on my own understanding. If God, Jesus says, I need you guys and you need me and we need each other and we all, then I'm going to be here. Paul would say in Philippians 3, 3, For we are the circumcision who worship God in spirit, in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, Paul would say, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. God forbid we think we can stand without going to church. I can't, because it's his, it's his command, not a suggestion. It's his command that I go to church. So he's not going to go against his word. I don't care who tells me it's bad for me. Angel, uh, the devil himself comes as an angel of light. I can't stand without coming here. I think we've gotten this far because we, we meet together. We have gotten this far. We have been strengthened. We have been encouraged. We have been able to resist. Having done all to resist. Having done all to stand. Stand therefore. I mean, I, it's like this is the resistance. Welcome to the resistance. Are there any churches called resistant? <laughs> we should do like resistant women's ministry. Or resistant has to be, resistance has to be in, in our church somehow. We are the resistance. When morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people plotted against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? You see to it. Then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. But the chief priest took the silver pieces and said, It is not lawful, for, lawful to put them into the treasury because they are the price of blood. Hypocrites, right? And they consulted together and, and bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in. Therefore that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the value of him who was priced, whom they of the children of Israel priced, and gave them for the potter's field, as the Lord directed me. Now Jesus stood before the governor. And so we were just told, uh, well, two things. First, Jesus was taken to Pilate, Pontius Pilate. And the reason why he was taken to the Roman governor is because, as you know, the Jews were forbidden, forbidden to carry out, in carrying out capital punishment. It was taken from them by the Romans. They were way upset over it. But if they wanted to kill a criminal, they had to go through the Roman authorities. They needed the Roman authority to do so. And that is why Jesus is sent to Pilate, where his civil trial will begin. But then Matthew cuts into, well, what happened to Judas? As you see, he was remorseful. But his remorse, his, he was remorseful, but his remorse did not lead him to repentance because he killed himself. Okay, he killed himself. It didn't lead to repentance. Jesus said it would have been better if he had never been 
born. So Judas, you know, can't say the devil made him do it just because the devil possessed him. He was a willing participant. If not, God cannot judge righteously. But he didn't, he was remorseful at the circumstances as all that's going down. Perhaps that Jesus, an innocent man, was being killed even, but not to the extent that he was willing to believe in Jesus Christ to salvation, to follow him. All right, so Judas hangs himself. And then it goes back to Jesus. Jesus stood before the governor. And Pontius Pilate is an interesting man in the history of, of history. A hardened, experienced judge who would be able to judge a trial uh, pretty straightforward and with discernment. You know, just, just experience factor. You know, judges have that gift from God. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 10 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicolette Street in Banning. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and just hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. Cherubim, above.